0: Lexi and Chris Phillips, Ball, Getty Smollett, Mike Fisher, Marion Hosa, Martin Havlat, Pizza Line, Ray Emery, Brian Murray, Reddin', Lee Cowan, Smith Neil, Fat by Guy, Walrus, Chara, Heatley, Alfie, all left the team. Andrew Hammond, Kyle Tursa, Ben and Double D on Mark Stone, Carlson, Matt Duchesne to single, Hogberg, Shabbatta, Chuck, parallel success. We didn't start the rebuild. It was always brewing since 2009 We didn't start the rebuild No, we didn't start it, but this time we've got it Hello everybody, and welcome to the Week 4 recap for the NHL season on the Unparalleled Success Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods, and joining me this week is Kaned Siddiqui, how's it going today? Hey Ryan, how are you? I'm good, thank you, thanks for having me on. I'm living the dream, of course, we've got a little bit more optimism going on in Sensland, so we don't have to go quite as hard on them in this week's episode as they were able to pick up their second win of the season against the heated rival Montreal Canadiens, And I think besides that, it's been a much improved play, even in the loss on Saturday afternoon. What were your impressions on the Sens' performances this week? And what do you think was the biggest difference between the team we saw on the West Coast during the nine-game losing streak versus the team we saw versus Montreal?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the last two games against Montreal in that, uh, in that little series they had were... I think v- it was very evident, in my opinion, that uh, the team itself was having more fun out there. They were obviously playing someone in the Montreal Canadiens who are, uh, you know, sitting near top of the, the North uh, Division right now in the NHL standings. Um, they, they knew that it was going to be a hard game all the game long. Uh, you know, with Carey Price, it's never going to be easy to score on him. Um, but I, I think what I liked most about these two games I just uh, passed was just the if if you've if you've seen me I, I you know I'm a pretty big critical pretty big critic of DJ Smith I would like to think um, and especially in the first month of hockey I have no problem admitting that but I think his. Uh, being open-minded really is what stuck with me and wanting to put in Brandstrom for those two games and then three uh, in in the last one against uh, Montreal. Um, Artem Zub, right, like he's giving him so much more opportunities now and it it gives a really uh, refreshed look to that blue line for the centers because we know how, you know, let's be frank, god awful they were in the month of January, right, like it would, it seemed like the second team, uh, the opponents got to, in our zone it was going to stay there for a good minute or two um and it seemed like they were on the power play right <laughs> they were moving around cycling but i think uh just them having fun and the the open-mindedness of dj smith and the staff just kind of letting their young guys finally get out there and, and show what they have
0: you mentioned artem Zub and another player of course who came into the lineup in the first game against montreal was eric brandstrom how big of an impact do you think that uh, they will continue to have and continue to grow and help the blue line after taking veterans like Braden Colburn and Josh Brown out of the lineup.
1: yeah, I mean the the sense have been very, I mean, actually d j Smith has been very uh, vocal about him liking his veterans in the lineup, whether it's on you know forwards or for for the defense. um but when you look at, uh, you know, just Eric Branstrom's play, let's take him, for example, first, right? Like on that second power play unit we saw yesterday, he looked so confident with the puck. Uh, his his abilities to, to you know, get in tight spots and make that quick pass on the power play is nice. Um, he's just, he's a refreshed look. And I, I, I was talking about it yesterday. We talk a lot about, you know, Thomas Shabbat and he hasn't maybe gone off the strongest start this season too. But with a guy like Eric Branstrom finally, you know, slotting in that left side of the center's defense, um, I think it takes a giant workload uh, off the shoulders of Thomas Shabbat because he, you know, there's no doubt he's the Senators' best defenseman. But you also have to remember this kid's still, you know, not 28, 29, he's still not a real veteran in this league. Um, so having that, you know, flexibility for DJ Smith to to kind of rely on two guys um, is going to benefit the team, obviously, like it has so far Um and, and Thomas Shabbat but for Artem Zub I think he's just a guy who is really really confident with the puck. Um, he showed a, a few glimpses of him jumping in rushes and you know doing a, a risky pinch here and there along the blue, blue line but uh, I think I've, I've seen a lot on Sense Twitter um, for people who you know have been talking about this game and I think I agree that what really stands out is first pass you know he's really calm in his own zone when things start to get a bit hectic and he Gets his hands uh, on the puck. Uh, he can make a quick first pass usually to to relieve some of that pressure. Um, and he's looked good so far. I mean, there's not much I can really say, you know, negative about his game. Maybe with a better partner, um, just because I wouldn't, you know, want him to take again all that workload just for him solely. But besides that, it's it's been pretty smooth sailing for him.
0: You mentioned how you've been. Uh bit of a critic on DJ Smith. So I want to talk a little bit about him. Lots of uh, Sens fans were worried at the start of the season with his player deployment. Do you give him any credit for maybe not being as stubborn as some Senators coaches we've seen in the past and making the appropriate adjustments to get the younger players in the lineup?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's no, you know, secret that he was a, a bit of a stubborn guy at the start of the season with his line of decisions and whatnot. But uh, no, the, the last few games, he's definitely showed that he's willing to change some things. if it means getting some better results on the ice. And even if it doesn't, right, like that's what I think <clears throat> bothers a lot of sense fans, because we came into this season knowing that we're not going to win the cup. We're probably not making the playoffs. It's going to be another lottery year, but we want to see what we have in our young guys. And that's what made the first month really hard um for for me at least I'll, I'll just speak for myself but it was you know we came into this season and it, it was kind of uh, you saw it from a mile away just with the off-season signings right or the trades you get derek step on um artem anisimov is still here you signed Braden coburn um it you know you you had to be blindfolded for not to see this happening but uh, he started off yeah really rocky He's, he wasn't playing his young guys he was sheltering them way too much um the thing that makes me the most mad about it was the uh, overtime loss against Winnipeg um, when he blamed the young guys for their mistakes, but it was veterans on the ice for the game-tying goal and game-winning goal. Um, that that really did not sit well with me, I'll be honest with you. That, that got me pretty riled up. Um, but no, I hey man, give credit where credit's due, and I think he's really changed uh, the way he's looking at the game in recent uh, recent memory.
0: I agree with you about the Winnipeg game. I remember reading the quote from TSN 1200 after he said that, and I just gave my head a shake and said, uh, fire him immediately. Like, when you've got a top line, like to Chuck Norris Batherson, who were out shooting the opposition in the offensive zone, like, I think they had 25 shot attempts for and, like, one against throughout the entire game. Like, and then he said that we were making young mistakes trying to score when we didn't need to score, and I said, uh, well, it sounds like pretty sound defense to me if you only have one a shot attempt against in the entire game, and then it's the veterans who are giving up the goal, so I, I'm glad that you brought that quote up, and it still will definitely play a role in evaluating DJ Smith down the road, I think as well, was the way that he deployed the players throughout the losing streak that we had, and if we end up not progressing as much as we hope for the rest of the season, he could be shown the door and that could play a huge role in why. So so we can talk a little bit about that later, but uh, one player I also wanted to talk about while I have it on my mind was a little bit more about Eric Brandstrom, because the difference between his play in the 31 games that we saw him in the lineup last year and the first two games that we saw from him this season has been night and day. How important is it that we can continue to see Branston pray at, play at the level that he has in the last two games, considering what we gave up to acquire him in Mark Stone?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's really important. Uh, the, the Mark Stone trade still really hurts to think about, uh, I think for most Sense fans to this day. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of us realize that trade happened. You probably were not going to win a Mark Stone trade in any manner, no matter how that thing was going to get flipped. But I guess you take the cards that you know you're dealt at the end of the day after that trade's made. But I think it's super critical that he, uh, he he gets his game going for for himself, right? And I think that he's shown so far that you know he's made some adjustments in his game. He's you know quicker with his feet. I, I noticed last year too; he was uh, he was he was he wasn't slow by any imagination, but. He was just a bit more hesitant when he had the puck, I think. And I think that's just some of the, you know, first-year jitters and trying to get, you know, establish yourself in the NHL lineup. Um, But this year, I mean, again, I I think he knows, too. Doesn't have much to lose, let's be honest, right? Like, Brandon Coburn uh, Coburn, got waived, uh, put on the waiver wire. No one claimed him, obviously. But he's down with the taxi squad now, I believe. Um, And he knows that as long as he's, you know, not giving pucks away for 60 minutes of the game he, he should be relatively good at least you would hope so right because you've got to give that guy some uh, a leash too. you know trevor shackles was actually tweeting about this over over the last few days and was saying you know as nice as it is to see eric branson in the lineup i'm actually a bit terrified of how short of a leash he might get from the staff um just because again going back to dj smith he's shown that he can get pretty stubborn and uh you know not have a lot of leeway for the younger players on this team. So it, it is a bit, you know, a cause for concern, I think. But uh, yeah, I've really liked his game. He obviously had a longer season than usual, as all the centers did. Um, he played over in, in Switzerland, I want to say, before the uh, training camps kicked off. Um, and he, he actually did really well out there. So it's it's nice to see him kind of progress into something that we... we I shouldn't say we. I was actually a bit of a doubter on him. I, I won't lie. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. But it's nice to see him finally get back on his feet and show uh, show his value to the team.
0: I was also pretty worried about uh, what type of impact Branstorm could have. Because when we saw 31 games last year, that's not exactly a small sample size. And when you only put up four assists or whatever it is he had, and that's all we really had to go off from uh, having seen him play, it was a little bit concerning that he wasn't going to be the impact player that we need him to be, but obviously the first two games this season for all the mentions, the reasons that you mentioned, he's he's looked a lot better, and when I think about the leash that you're talking about, uh, that hopefully he will have a longer leash, just think about the length of the leash that Braden Coburn had. He was single-handedly responsible for at least one goal against in almost every game that he was in the lineup, and he lasted 10 games before he was put on waivers. So I hope that uh, Eric Brandstrom, especially considering that he hasn't played since he was in Switzerland and he had to quarantine, they kept saying 28 days, he had to quarantine twice. So just to see him come in the lineup and show very limited amounts of rust and to look as good as he have, I I do hope that he gets a longer leash, especially longer than Braden Coburn, because I've been very impressed with what I've seen from him so far this season. Um, talking about uh, DJ Smith a little bit more before we move on, what do you think would have to happen from right now, between now and the end of the season, for him to potentially be dismissed in the sense to move on to a different option behind the bench.
1: Yeah, um I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter a lot of people on Twitter excuse me say that um, you know Pierre Dorian said that DJ Smith was his guy at the beginning of the year. And uh for those people, I would say I remember a time where Pierre Dorian said the same thing about Guy Boucher and how he was gonna take till the end of the season to evaluate and I think I don't even think it was two weeks later Guy Boucher was dismissed as the head coach. So I, I definitely wouldn't uh, take Pierre Dorian's word by by any means on that front just because he's shown to, you know, whether it was a snap decision or not, it's not something that, um, you know, we can prove by any, any shot. But I think if he, I mean, I, th- I, truly I think he he got a bit of a talking to from Pierre Dorian uh, as well uh, to to kind of play these younger guys and see what they have. Um. At the end of the day he's the coach so he's gonna make the it but i do think there was a conversation in there somewhere um the only way i see him getting shown the door i think he's in his last year of his contract when he signed with the uh when he became the sense head coach um but realistically if he goes back to that you know veteran mindset right only playing those guys not giving eric brandstrom artem zoo more opportunities right um we saw logan brown today get called up from the taxi squad so that's another great uh thing that happened. Uh, looks like he's gonna get a shot sometime in the next few games. Um if, if he reverts back to those old styles though, I uh I don't think Pierre Doran has much of a choice. I mean he he's kind of on the clock too, right? Pierre Doran's made some moves here and there, but eventually you're gonna have to, you know, hire someone who's gonna want to showcase what you've been working towards. And in the first month, DJ Smith was just simply not doing that until recently.
0: Another guy that we haven't talked about yet who had an incredible performance in both games against Montreal is Matt Murray. How big of a relief is it to have seen him have back-to-back strong performances after seeing him struggle unbelievably out West?
1: Yeah, he looked really good. You're right. It is a big, big sigh of relief from uh, most, most Senators fans because that first month was... uh, uh, really hard to watch is how I put in my most recent uh, report card, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see. He's obviously someone who the bet on long term over the off season, so you hope this works out eventually. You know, it's the, it's not a one year make or break a deal. It's I think it's four years if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, he's getting a hefty chunk of change as well, right? So you you want him to perform up to what you would hope he he would be. Um, yeah, he definitely bounced back well. He looked much more positioned in net. He didn't, he, you know, he still had some rebounds out here and there, like similar to January. But he seemed just much more confident in between the pipes. I, I remember back in January when they were on that terrible losing streak. He, it, it looked like. I also, I just like to say one thing before I continue about this. I think the way the Sens' defensive systems are set up are to fail goaltenders as well a little bit. Um, and a lot of people were talking about this yesterday on the PK specifically, um, where there's always someone in Matt Murray's eyes and no one picks him up. And as much as we would like to talk about Matt Murray not having a good month, which he didn't in January, I still stand by that. Um, you've also got to change your systems at some point because that it's proven that's not going to work. Even on the first goal yesterday, Jeff Petrie blasted from the point. Corey Perry standing right in front of him. He doesn't know that shot's coming. And if he does, he doesn't know which way it's going. And there's no one on Corey Perry, right? Um, But no, he he definitely struggled. There's no doubt about that. He's definitely improved over the last two games. Looks much more confident in there, much more square to the puck. Um, And I I think Pierre Dorian's probably smiling up there in the press box as well.
0: And finally, before we move on to the waiver wire segment, what was the biggest highlight of this past week for you watching the Sens play
1: the biggest highlight can I pick Jimmy Tim Stutzler As of my course biggest highlight I would love I to responded. hear you talk about
0: Tim Stutzler <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he looks
1: awesome man he's leading I think he's tied with two other guys for uh, rookie scoring right now in the NHL he that's another guy where he the first few games again those you know first. NHL game jitters were definitely there. Um, right now, he's just flying out there. He has much more, you know, poise with the puck. He's getting along. There's some chemistry with his linemates right now. I'd preferably like to see him get bumped up uh, in the near future. Um, but he, he's looked amazing. Like he, he has great skating. He has great vision. Head up the whole time. He he looks, you know, he took a beating yesterday against Montreal. He he took a. a, a a really bad. Uh, he drew three penalties when it was all said and done, I think, but he, he took some pretty bad blows uh, Unfortunately, but I don't think I've ever okay. seen
0: s- as um, many yeah, he, high he sticking great. calls in a game as I saw yesterday
1: Well, because yeah, he, he I think they, the first one they got him and then it wasn't even five minutes later They hit him again. That's the one where he actually went on the ground and I I was kind of concerned because it looked like he caught him right in the eye. And I was like, man, that's uh, That's not good. But he thankfully he was okay Um yeah he looks really really good out there. He's like I said, he's getting some chemistry going finally. Um, the more the merrier right like the more you give this guy opportunities, he went third overall for a reason. Obviously there was something in him and sheltering him like he was in January a little bit again um, is, is not gonna cut it and you can't really. Explain. I mean look at what he's done right Like you give him a bit more opportunities. you put him on that f- uh, first power play unit I think it is now um, and he's got goals in three straight games before the uh, the game yesterday. Um, so he's he's obviously making the most out of his opportunities.
0: I couldn't agree more. It was a very enjoyable week watching the Sens play, and especially like when you look at the games against Edmonton, of course they still lost by three goals, but they were able to score five goals, and it was an exciting game to watch the 8-5 game and then to get the first win against Montreal since the beginning of the season, and then to follow it up with a second consecutive strong performance. It's just such better vibes on Sens, Sen's Twitter and just being a sense fan overall this week compared to where we were seven days ago. So it was a good week and hopefully they can continue it moving into next week as well. Now moving on to the waiver wire segment where I talk about hot rumors not only with the Ottawa Senators, but around the league. The first topic I want to talk about is Derek Steppen, who, of course, the Sens acquired for a second-round pick from Arizona before the start of the season. And now it seems like there's been a souring between the two sides with uh, Derek Steppen being away from his family and his newborn child. And, of course, there's also the additional element to the story with him telling Logan Brown he can keep number 21 and that he would wear number 15 and then a few weeks later changing and wearing number 21 it just seems like a really bizarre situation what do you think of uh Derek Steppen in Ottawa and your thoughts on him potentially moving on from the team
1: yeah I mean uh you're right the uh the, the trade, I, I think the trade to, to begin with was really, really odd. Um, and it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning uh, where it kind of showcased that, you know, no rookies will just get a spot mentality that DJ Smith had when camp started. Um, but with Derek Stepan, it's it, it's really frazzling. I, I still don't get it to be honest. Here's a guy who you trade for and you hope he adds something to your lineup uh, and that veteran leadership role, obviously. Um, he draws into the lineup. He hasn't been, anything too spectacular in my opinion um and he's now you know i, I get wanting to be closer to family i just did, did derek Stepan not know he was going to be far when the trade happened and like was this not something that crept into his mind earlier the jersey swap thing the number swap thing excuse me is i i don't get that at all like okay i guess like let's here's your number back even though i don't think this guy's going to be with the team until the end of february at this rate um and speaking of obviously Logan Brown we were just talking about I would assume Derek Stepman is a guy who draws out when Brown does eventually step in so I think it's a it's a messy situation however you look at it to be honest
0: I am excited to see Logan Brown draw into the lineup of course wearing number 27 now I've got my Alex Kovalev AK-27 jersey up to celebrate the victories against Montreal this weekend but I am excited to see Logan Brown although to finish off our thought on the Derek Steppen what uh, would you like to see the Sens be able to get in a return if they do end up trading him out of town
1: I don't know if you can get much of a return so that's a really tricky question to be honest because his his value is probably at an all-time low right now um, just by his production numbers really Um, I think the Sens Here's a bold take. I think the sense spice it up a bit. I think they th- trade step on because obviously it sounds like he wishes to be uh, closer to his family. Um, and they also throw in Philip Schlappig and get a better deal because that team is getting Schlappig. Um We just saw him get sent back down to Belleville today in that roster transaction where we saw Brown come up. Um, I didn't think he looked bad by any means in that one game he drew into. Um, but obviously, DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian are once again agreeing on that term where they, they don't see enough in the guy to keep him on the roster uh, or on the, the, the lineup, should I say? Um, but yeah, I think the Sands are going to try cause I really truly don't think you can get more. If it was just a one for one, I don't think you're getting more than like a fourth, uh, with just solely Stepan being shipped away. Um, I think Pierre Dorian picks, uh, Schloppik or another, uh, player to, to, package away with him. I saw some people expressing their concerns that it might be Christian Wolanin, uh, Wolanin, excuse me, and I really hope not because that would actually not sit uh, too, too well with us. Um, with me, excuse me. I should, but yeah, I hope it's not Christian Wolanin uh, and Filoszlapic as much as it sucks. Um, I just don't see him being able to crack this roster
0: anymore with how things have gone. I like your thinking with packaging Schlappick and Steppen together to maybe be able to get closer to the second round pick that we gave up for Derek Steppen, but uh, I did like Philip Schlappick's game the one time that he did draw into the lineup, I thought he looked good, so that's, that's some good thinking to maximize the value on Derek Steppen, who has had a disappointing start to the season with Ottawa. But now we're going to talk a little bit more about a guy who definitely has not disappointed that we talked about a little bit earlier, and that's Tim Stutzler, who has been lights out since uh, his injury. He missed a few games, and then as soon as he slotted back into the lineup, he's just been dominant and perhaps one of the best, if not the best, players for the Sens in the past few games. In a year where there's so many potential candidates for the Calder Trophy... I can't recall a time when there's been as many legit candidates for the Rookie of the Year. Who are some of the players that have stood out to you for not only the Sens, but also around the league? And where do you think Tim Stutzler ranks in your early season Calder Trophy predictions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be in the in the running all season long until, until the regular season caps off. Um, another guy that's really been impressing me, and I actually pulled this up, so i'd be prepared and I didn't have to go scrambling looking for this um but it's ty smith from the uh, new jersey devils a defenseman um new jersey's always been such a weird team to me they had a season where it looked like they were going to turn things around and it, they always had pk suban as well um and now it's just we're back to the same old new jersey and there's not a whole much going on but i've been really really impressed with his play so far i think he's a point per game player uh, amongst all rookies right now in the NHL. Um, Kirill um in Minnesota, obviously another guy who's been hot to start. Um, I think he's a bit uh, older, which the NHL rules don't really care about, so he's still in the running <laughs> for the Calder. It's kind of like an Ant- uh, Artemi Panarin situation a few years back. Um, but yeah, I think those two guys are definitely going to give him a run for his money. Um, but, you know, I, I really think Stutzel's going to hang in there the whole time, man. Like, he's. Obviously getting his game together, the, the more and more he plays, uh, like I said, he's tied for, you know, goal scoring amongst all rookies. And I, I really think he has a good shot when the season's wrapped up to, to get that Calder trophy.
0: I hope so, too. And finally, before we move on to our preview of the week ahead... There's some discussion around the league about the standings and the implications that uh, games being postponed due to COVID have had on the standings. We see some teams who have maybe only played six or seven games so far, while other teams have played 15 already, and at the end of the season, when it's only a fifty-game 56-game ske- schedule, we could very well end up seeing some teams finish at the 56-game mark, like in the North Division. We've been very lucky we haven't seen any postponements so far, but in the States you can see as many as three four games postponed in a single game. What do you think is the best solution for analyzing the statistics at the end of the year and determining who should be in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously very unfortunate what we've seen with the uh, divisions over in the United States. Uh, like you said, we've been very lucky um, uh, in North Division to, to not have anything like this uh, yet, hopefully. Hopefully never, but yet to, to this point. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting when, when the season wraps up because I, I if I'm the NHL, as harsh as it may sound, I don't think I change the format of top four qualify for the playoffs. Um, we're living in a time where things are happening every day it seems like Um, and I think that you've got to eventually put a a line to the exceptions you make Um, if you're the NHL um, it's unfortunate like you said Colorado is one of those teams where their games have been postponed until February uh, 9th or 11th one of the two Um, I can't remember off the top of my head but you know it when you think about it, it, obviously sucks that they might not finish the season with 56 games, and you don't see a team like Colorado who coming into this year were obviously slated as one of the Stanley Cup favorites because of their huge amount of talent on both the front end and the back end. Um, so, if you're in the NHL, if you're in the NHL, it's a tough call because you're trying to obviously, you know, it's about generating revenue too, right? Like let's let's be real here. There's not a lot of fans, if at all, uh, for any of these games going on right now. Um, so. If if you're the NHL, you kind of hope these teams figure it out when they get the chance to play again. Um hopefully it's postponed, meaning that they'll still make up for it and hit that 56 game mark. Um, but you're right, Ryan. Like you said, it it could mean that some teams fall short of that 56 games. Uh that's that's you know, coming to the season we're supposed to be played.
0: It'll be interesting to see if uh If some teams do fall short, if the NHL considers looking at points percentage versus points, do you think that that is a a possibility at all? Or do you think that considering we're already maybe a quarter of the way through the schedule, that it'll be very difficult for them to get everybody to approve of this before the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they want to do something like that, it's definitely an idea that, again, would maybe save some teams and save some uh, you know, eyes to stick on their TV uh, when, when the playoffs roll around. Um, if if they do do that, that's definitely, you know, not a bad idea at all. They would just have to kind of pitch it relatively soon because, like you said, we're quarterway of the season. And, you know, unfortunately, these things have happened so far with some of the divisions in the NHL. Um, it, it might not be a bad idea if you're the NHL and, you know, you want to, realistically, like, the top four teams should still have the best winning percentage if they're as good as you would hope they are um so i don't think it'll create for any you know dilemma there um but yeah i mean it, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see it's we knew this was gonna happen like the without getting into it too much obviously the united states is not COVID friendly um so we knew this would eventually you know happen along the way um we're just lucky that it hasn't happened in our division so far i guess
0: and as you said, hopefully it will stay that way for us because uh, we've had enough diff- of a difficult time dealing with everything surrounding the pandemic, and we try not to talk about it as much just to keep it positive. But uh, it's it's been very difficult, so hopefully we'll be able to move past it sooner than we expect. And moving towards this week's games, the Sens have four games on the schedule. Monday night against Edmonton, the first of a back-to-back, and again on Tuesday night as well. So both of those games are at 7 o'clock. And then we have our second series of the season against the Winnipeg Jets, Thursday at 8 p.m. and Saturday at 3 p.m. So four games on the schedule. What are your expectations, first of all, for the back-to-back against the Edmonton Oilers?
1: Uh, I think it's, you know what, I'm actually intrigued to see how this goes because last time we played Edmonton Oilers, uh, we got our teeth kicked in for the most part, and it was with a blue line that wasn't what we've seen the last two games, right? Um, so I'm really, really curious to see how Eric Brandstrom and the likes of Artem Zoo with more responsibilities now are going to be able to adapt to that, you know, Connor McDavid-like play um, with him and Leon Dreisaitl. I think it's going to be a big test for them. Will they struggle? I am sure they will, because everyone does against Connor McDavid for the most part, because um, he's just a freak of a human on the ice. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I think it's the forwards will have to, you know, keep improving. I've been really, really impressed with Drake Batherson so far. Um, he hasn't necessarily lit the lamp up, but I think his playmaking abilities has been really good so far. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think Brady Kachuk will be Brady Kachuk. He'll keep going to the opposition's net and sending those chirps away after whistles and some pushing and shoving. But uh, I, I think the, the Edmonton back-to-back is going to be a big test for that for that blue line specifically.
0: And then I guess, of course, it might be a little bit of the same against the Winnipeg Jets, who we did not stack up well against in our first series of the season. But are you expecting the same against the Jets that hopefully the Sens will be able to uh, improve with the new players on the blue line?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that we played necessarily um, too bad against the Jets last time we saw them. Um, Obviously, veteran mistakes is what got us the overtime loss um but it's it's gonna be nicely i mean even you know just seeing how i think that's what we're all trying to preach right now let us see what we have against every single opponent because that's the only way you're gonna get better it's like it's like riding a bike you're gonna fall guess what it happens are you gonna get back up and keep learning or are you gonna crumble and that's how the sense have to try and treat it now i know it's easier said than done considering the staff right now and their their stubbornness and recent memory. Um, but I think if you're DJ Smith, you've really got to let your, your young guys fly out there. Um, whatever happens, realistically, what's the worst case scenario? You keep losing games. You weren't supposed to win anyway, so did you really lose anything when it's all said and done?
0: I think that's what a lot of Zen's fans have been saying since the beginning of the season is that uh, we could lose every game and as long as we win a few against montreal and toronto they would be happy but uh, as long as the young players get the opportunity to play then there's really nothing to be upset about and you could have told sens fans at the beginning of the season that you're not going to make the playoffs but brady to josh norris drake batherson tim stutzla and logan brown even now as he will look to draw into the lineup but they all have seasons where they improve on their numbers, that would be the measuring stick to determine whether or not this is a successful season for the Senators. So if so, if that's what it ends up being, where we maybe go 1-3 and three this week, but we get to see the young players continue to get the minutes and the Braden Colburns and the Artem Anissimos and the Derek Stepans sit in the press box, then I'm all for that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's all about trying to improve what you already have. And the last two games showed that the Sens were, you know, a pretty good team overall with those young guys in the lineup. They didn't ever really struggle, I think. Uh, There was things that they need to patch up on, but, you know, really what team doesn't have to fix up some things in their own zone or however you want to position it?
0: Before we wrap things up, I have... One more question for you. What did you think of the Sens reverse retro jerseys that we got to see on Saturday against Montreal? I don't mind them, actually.
1: I saw some people talking about how the numbers on the back were really hard to read, and the nameplates as well, um, due to the, the black on red, I guess. Um, they're definitely, if we're ranking the three jerseys for this year, they're. I think they unfortunately have to go as the last Um I'm a big fan of the white one that we have. Um, but never, nevertheless we love these jerseys, let's be honest. They are so much better than what we've had in recent years. Anything uh, you know, anything new with that, you know, old Sanders classic logo is going to look amazing,
0: I think. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Of Fuck, course, I'm getting the yeah, Charlie no horse. At all. Ah, it's. Oh no,
1: oh no! Charlie horses, yeah, terrible. Terrible. They literally make you feel like you're going to pass out.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, No problem at all, though, Ryan. Of course, anytime. Thank you for so much for having me on and uh, you know letting me be a bit, bit more critic of the of the senators here. Um, it, it was fun. Hopefully hopefully we see some good centers hockey this upcoming week versus the uh, Oilers and Jets.
0: Absolutely. And I, I did want to give you the chance before I let you go. You, I know that you're in the journalism program at Carleton and you, you mentioned your blog earlier where you give your player grades. Where can uh, the listeners or viewers of the podcast check out your, your written pieces?
1: Yeah. So like you said, I'm, I'm a journalist student at Algonquin College in Ottawa right now. Um, I'm also a writer at Six One Three Sports Blog, uh, which is a sports uh, blog here in Ottawa, Ontario. Um, we cover anything from the NHL all the way to soccer, so you've got a lot of coverage there. Um, I've worked at uh, with the uh, kind of lasers before the CCHL, so I think I've gotten my feet wet, but uh, I'm I'm still improving. I'm still trying to be a bit more nicer to uh, to the Sens in my report cards, but they, they they make life difficult sometimes. I think I think you can agree there, Ryan.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again for coming on. I think I'm going to leave in the bit with the Charlie horse because I'm fine now, but uh, hopefully it'll give the the viewers a a little bit of a chuckle. But thanks again for coming on, Kaned.
1: No problem. Take care.
0: You too. Thanks again to Caned for coming on the show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like, comment, or subscribe on YouTube and share on any of the podcast platforms with your friends. I'll be back next week to talk about this week's games against Edmonton and Winnipeg. Until then, Go Sens Go, everyone! Peugeot, 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 Peugeot. First-round pick, Mason, Silverberg for, for Ryan. McCulloch, Kovalev, California road trips. Laleem, Hasek, Gerber, carousel of goalies. B- B- Buddy Robinson, Ben Harper, Bobby Ryan, Sparta Cat, Boro Hoffman, LeBretton is a no-go. Elliot Anderson, Alex All is back again. Dorian says we're a team. Someday we will win the cup. We didn't start the rebuild. It was always brewing since 2009. We didn't start the rebuild. No, we didn't start it, but this time we've got it.